welcome to the Wilder Outdoors podcast, where you'll get the inspiration and information you need to have great outdoor adventures with your family. I'm Rob, your host. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, I chat with my friends David and Carly Birch, and I know Dave and Carly from my time in Arizona. And sometimes I think it's just really cool to have people on who are living an interesting and exciting life in the outdoors, and that is Dave and Carly. Um, They do all sorts of interesting things with their kids. You'll hear about their camping trips. You'll hear about uh, what they call survival camp with their kids. Uh, And also you'll hear about how squirrel hunting factored into uh, David's proposal to Carly. So it's a great conversation with two really interesting people who I respect and who I'm candidly just going to steal some ideas from. These are great stories about what you and I can do with our kids today. Be sure to give it a listen. You're going to love it. Now, before we start, just a couple of things. If you could subscribe to this podcast, it would help me out a ton. And if at the end you like it, please give it a good review. It helps raise awareness for the podcast. It helps raise it in the rankings. uh, And it's just a big help to me. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would be great. And so with that, let's start today's episode. So today I have with me David and Carly Birch, and I know Dave and Carly from my time in Arizona. We've reconnected a little bit later, and they are just a really cool family, but specifically a really cool family that loves the outdoors, and they have some really wild adventures with their kids, some really interesting things that they do. And so I thought it'd be great to have them on and to share with you all about that. So uh, Dave and Carly, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, so... You know, I know a little bit about you guys, but tell folks who don't know you who you are. My name is David, uh, 40 years old. I work for the fire department. Been with the, the fire department for 17 years. Married to my wife, Carly. Been married 15 years this year. We got two boys, Brody and Blake. They are 12 and 10 years old. Now, Carly told me a little bit about this, but tell me about how you guys met. I think you're probably referring to our engagement story, if I'm being correct. Um, So we met at work through happenstance, but um, we dated for, I don't know, what, 10 months, 11 months. And one day after church, David decided that he was going to um, take me squirrel hunting. (laughs) Um, Now, I wasn't a very outdoorsy girl back then I grew up doing outdoors, some outdoorsy stuff, not a lot, but, um, he took me squirrel hunting, (laughs) which was kind of odd. I, I wasn't really sure what to think of it at the time. Um, but we ended up at a really beautiful overlook of Sedona, Arizona in the process of squirrel hunting, um, where he proposed. It was beautiful. It was great. Um, but that squirrel hunting kind of became a staple in our, in our marriage and our family life. Um, it's actually now, um, every squirrel season here, it's a big fight between who gets to shoot the first squirrel, mom or the boys. So, um, it kind of festered that love of outdoor and hunting and all the things from the very beginning. Is it bad that while you were telling that story, I wasn't asking or wasn't thinking about the engagement as much as I was, <laughs> did they get any? I did shoot one that day, yes. Okay. Just so, one. <laughs> I just had to use that well, as an excuse to get her to the lookout where I wanted to propose. When I was hunting with my father, uh, I was probably in high school when my dad took me to that location. 
And I just always remember how beautiful it was. And that's where I wanted to propose to my wife, future wife. But I, I couldn't you know, tell her, hey, we're going to go do a picnic. We're going to drive up north because she would automatically know what was going to happen. <laughs> so she knew that I was, was a hunter. And I'm like, we're going squirrel hunting. And that's why I laughed so hard when I actually shot one that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I know you, you, you say it kind of nonchalantly, like she knows I'm a hunter, but you know, I've tried to introduce people to hunting my family where they live in Florida. There's not a lot of hunting, a lot of fishing. Uh, but even Michelle was pretty new to hunting before I started doing it. And most people think of deer hunting, right? But like squirrel hunting kind of throws people off. So that that was kind of risky, Dave. What what was that like, Carly, to like have your entry into hunting be squirrel hunting? Um it was it was at the time very weird. I will admit I wasn't in a very good mood because he took me to Mexican food right before that. My stomach wasn't very happy. <laughs> so it was kind of like a perfect storm. Um but after the first time, um, you know, I reluctantly went again because I wanted to spend time with him. Um, and it just became fun. Like the whole thrill of chasing a squirrel up a tree. And it was like, it was more than just the killing of the animal. It was the hunt, the excitement. Um, the next year we actually went with his dad and his nephews um, so that was even cooler to see the little kids be so into it. Um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. I'm very new to squirrel hunting. Uh, so new that I am really bad at it. So um, <laughs> for for folks that may have thought, what in the world? Why are you shooting squirrels? Like those are tree rats. What, what's it like? Like what's the experience like? So there's a couple different ways to hunt them. You can walk around and find them and chase after them. We are lazy, so we normally drive in our vehicle. And sometimes we take our dog, sometimes we do not. But we drive around, we see a squirrel, and our dog, if she sees it, she will chase that squirrel and get it up a tree. So I've had squirrels that run 10 feet and go up a tree. I've had squirrels run a couple hundred yards before they'll go up a tree. And then once they're up a tree, you got to keep your eye on them because they will jump to other trees. They will jump out of the trees onto the ground. Uh, it just depends on the squirrel. But we can shoot them with 22 shotguns. Uh, I like to make it a little more of a hunt, and I just let my boy shoot with a 22 now. The biggest tip that I have is squirrels are very hard to clean and skin. The sooner you do it, the easier it is. If you leave it in the back of your truck for an hour or two, it's just going to make it 10 times harder to skin it. You know, I, I think you hit on the part that kind of turns a few people off about squirrels, right? Is, is the fact that I don't think people have ever thought of them as food. So <laughs> talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, you got them, you skin them. And I think the best way to cook them is crock potted. And then once you get, I would separate the meat from the bones. Uh, I made the mistake of taking some squirrels into the fire station and my chef buddy was like, I'm going to make a meal. I recommended that he crock pot it and take take the meat out. He didn't do that. He just did potatoes, carrots, onions, crock potted it all, and we were digging bones out of the meal the whole time. So the meat, it's fairly good. It's not as good as quail, but it is a good meat, but just separate it. And then I've had teriyaki squirrel. I've had roast. 
it all tastes good. Cool. Have Have you heard of the squirrel cooking competition, like the squirrel cook-off? <laughs> no. I have not. Okay, so I think this year they hosted it in Arkansas, but it's like it's a big deal where chefs from all over come to basically win a competition where the whole meal has to have some part of the squirrel in it. And uh, I haven't been, but I want to go. So I, who knows, maybe we'll wind up in Arkansas together someday trying out squirrel. <laughs> That'd be cool. All right. So you, you brought up another thing that's really interesting, right? Which is that squirrel hunting is, a, at least from my experience and from what I've heard people, is it's supposed to be a really easy entry for kids into hunting. Is it like, is that true? I think it was for our kids. It's, uh, um, it's a little different than big game hunting. I feel like with big game hunting, you're sitting there kind of waiting. Um, it's a little more, uh, requires a lot more patience and quietness. Um, with our, squirrel hunting it's more of an adventure you're looking for something we were constantly moving so the scenery was changing and it was you know squirrels are a little more abundant easier to find kind of in not so far deep into the woods or forest or whatever have you so it was a it was kind of a thrill it was exciting they weren't just sitting there waiting for something to come they were actively looking um and they were they had to be active so they had to jump out of the truck and run after the squirrel and keep their eye on the squirrel and it was more of a activity than a sit and wait type hunt if that makes sense and if the squirrel gets away we get back in the truck drive another 10 15 minutes and hopefully find another one i'm not as patient as my father my father will sit there with binoculars for an hour looking for that squirrel and he normally finds it but if after 10 15 minutes i can't find it let's let's load up let's go find another one mm -hmm. that's cool yeah i i hear you about the active part so i i took the whole family on a grouse hunt this year which you know with our the age of our kids lasted all of probably 30 minutes with everyone um, but I was surprised to hear my wife say that she wanted to get her hunter safety certification and like, it, it's fun, right? Cause you're out there and you're doing stuff. I will, I will tell a little bit of an embarrassing, maybe a little gruesome story, but this will lead into my next question, which is, you know, I, I don't have a lot of reps with firearms, right? I know all the safety, I know how they work. Um, I've taken them to ranges, but you know, do, using them in the real world when you're hunting is, is still kind of new to me. And we had a shotgun, right, for the grouse. And we could also get small game. So the squirrels were on the table. And we were, we were walking and there was a really small uh, pine squirrel. And it was like this idyllic, beautiful scene with this squirrel sitting on top of a log with like a ray of light coming down. And I'm there with my oldest son because everyone else had bailed at that point. And I was like, Michael, do you want to, do you want to take it? Like we can take it. He says, yeah, dad. So I have him stand back and, and I shoot and like, we're maybe 30 yards away and the squirrel just disappeared. <laughs> it was way too close. Um, for anyone who needs to know, I, the squirrel basically vaporized, which is not a good thing. And definitely, led to kind of a hard conversation with 
um, my son, <laughs> but it, like it, it brings up the point that, you know, especially for folks whose kids want to learn how to hunt guns are new, right. And guns are dangerous, like legitimately. And so how do you handle the gun safety and the gun training with your kids? I think my boys have been around guns their, their whole life. Uh, even when they were just learning to walk, they were out hunting with us. They've always been around them. Uh, I like to educate my kids about guns and their dangers and not just ignore them or try and hide them from them because kids are very curious. If they find something they don't know about, they're going to get into it. So we've always educated, you know, you don't, you don't touch guns if they're around. We don't leave guns out, but if we're out hunting, you don't touch them unless you're told to, and you don't load it until you're ready and treat every firearm like it is loaded. Uh, both of my boys have taken their hunter safety course, but I think it's just one of those things that just being around them and being raised, they, they've been raised to, to respect them. No, I was just gonna say, I think we're also in both of us in professions where we see the damage of guns, whether it's, um, you know, acts of violence or accidents or whatever. And we're always very um, cognizant of telling our kids those stories. They're very curious. So, um, you know, we'd come home from work and they'd be like, what'd you see today, mom? Or what'd you see today, dad? And we'd obviously tell those stories to um, drive home that safety point. So they've just been kind of conditioned to know that guns are good and guns are fun, but guns are also very dangerous. Um, and no matter how long they've been around guns, we always talk about the safety of them. It's never just a, oh, we've talked about that. They know it. It's a continual teaching point. Well, just to, to pivot a little bit, right? So this was, this was new to me when I got, or when I moved to Minnesota. And I certainly didn't know what I would have done if I were in Arizona and wanted to hunt. But it's interesting to me that you were one hunting in cars and two <laughs> uh, hunting near Sedona because well, one hunting from a car in, I shouldn't say it's, it's not illegal in all situations, but it's definitely frowned upon. Um, and then the other piece is like where, I mean, really the question I'm trying to ask is where in the world do you go to hunt? Like if you got a kid that wants to do this or you want to do it, right? Where would you go in Arizona to hunt on public land? Uh, I go around Williams and Payson for squirrel hunting. Uh, for dove, duck, quail, we usually go around the Wickenburg area. So there's a lot of um, state trust land. You can hunt on state trust land. You cannot target shoot on there. But you can get apps such as Onyx and find out where the state trust land is, where the national forest is. And yes, we drive around, but we can't shoot from the vehicle. We can't shoot across the road. We know all the rules. Uh, we're just lazy and drive around to find the squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you can do that with grouse here. Um, I'm sure you could do with squirrels too. So so state trust land is typically where you would hunt in in Arizona if you're going to hunt public land. Yes. Yeah. In, in Minnesota, we have a lot of options, but we have something called WMAs or wildlife management areas. And those are managed by the state specifically for hunting. Um, they'll, they'll use them as like multi-purpose, uh, areas as well. So like folks can walk their dogs in there, which like I wouldn't recommend during hunting season, but some folks do. Uh, but in, in general, we have that, 
that option, which is really cool, but you always have to sort of manage or, or make sure you're really um, informed on what kind of land you're hunting on. Cause we've got state forests and WMAs and all sorts of different options and they all have their own restrictions here. So it's interesting uh, that you guys do that. So I want to keep asking you about hunting, but this is a podcast about family. So, all right. So you take your kids squirrel hunting. What else do you guys do with them in the outdoors? Everything. (laughs) Um, So we do all kinds of hunting. Our kids also big game hunt. So we've, um, Brody's gotten a couple of deer. We've been to Missouri to deer hunt. So they've, they're um, experienced with big game. David takes them, like he said, dove and quail hunting. Um, And we love to camp. We love to just get out in the wild. Um, I will admit my, uh, my body refuses to tent camp anymore. So we do have a travel trailer. Um, but it's, it's very much, um, you know, when we're in the outdoors, we like to go camping with friends, but I tell everybody that the outdoors is one of the best babysitters that we have when we go camping. Our kids, literally, when we go camping, we don't see them from morning till evening. They just go and they play and they build shelters and, um, and we've kind of taught them that throughout their lives as they've grown up, we've encouraged that. Um, so much so that I feel like over the last couple of years, friends that we go camping with, um, we've given their kids for their birthdays, survival backpacks <laughs> with all kinds <laughs> of tools and things, um, to let them enjoy the outdoors. I, what was our last camping trip? It was freezing cold and we didn't see our kids all day. They were out in the woods, building a shelter, they know how to start their own fires, those kinds of things. Um, our boys like to fish, our older one specifically. He's always, anywhere we go, any trip we go on, he's bringing his fishing stuff because he wants to find somewhere to fish. Um, I think one of my favorite traditions that David started is every year they go on, um, they have two trips that they do it every year actually they go to um, a creek up pretty close and do some fishing and stuff like that just the boys they sleep in the back of the truck and it's very outdoorsy but they also um have what they call survival weekend that they've been doing since I don't even know how old the kids were when you started that but they go into the woods and they hunt for squirrel they have to build their own shelter to sleep in um and he just kind of makes them for one or two nights live off the land and figure it out themselves basically so it's a pretty cool thing that he's started and the boys actually love it they always ask when survival weekend (laughs) that's awesome where'd you get that idea (laughs) maybe watching youtube i don't know (laughs) I wanted to call it something and make my boys because sleeping in a trailer is different than building a shelter. So I wanted my boys to have to rough it. And I think the first time my wife couldn't go camping. So I was like, we're not taking the trailer. We're going to go and we're going to rough it and shoot some animals and eat them and survive for a couple of days. 
and there have been some accidents. I mean, my kid cut his finger probably five minutes into survival weekend one day. And we have those talks all the time about always <laughs> cutting away from yourself. Uh, but accidents happen and you learn from them and they've been better since. But it's probably a lot more fun for the boys than it is me. I, I do miss my trailer <laughs> when we do that. And at two o'clock in the morning, I'm like, why am I sleeping in the dirt? But my boys wake up, they have a great time. And every year they ask to go again. So we make it happen. But I think one of the biggest things for me, and especially new families that are going to go camping, is if you can find other families with kids that are close to the same age, uh, I find it so much easier to camp when the kids have friends. We've done it successfully with just our family, but when they have you know friends to go play with, they, they seriously disappear. And I tell them, you have to be able to see the trailer, and you have to be able to hear when I yell for you. But other than that, go and have fun. That's awesome. Well, and, and that's what I was going to ask about, right? So, you know, I, I do a lot with outdoor skills and families and I interact, especially with a lot of moms. And I'm always thinking like, Hey, the first thing your kid should know how to do and probably wants to learn how to do is start a fire. And I have mentioned that to some, some moms who've come up to me and asked me to teach classes. And they're like, absolutely not. What we need you to do is teach first aid and navigation. Cause that's how our kids are going to be safe. And so like, that's a big barrier for folks. So even when I hear you say like, oh yeah, they just go and play. My first says, okay, so what boundaries are you guys putting in place? What are you teaching them beforehand? How are you doing that? Especially with kids who, you, you, you know, your friends might not have that kind of experience, right? There's always a certain comfort level in the outdoors that, that your kids develop over time. Um, but especially if you're bringing sort of noobs, I shouldn't say noobs, that sounds bad, but (laughs) folks who've not been in the outdoors much, um, like what do you do to make sure the kids stay safe? I mean, I think we have the same conversations with those kids as we do our kids. Um, I know with some of our really good friends who I, we consider we basically go camping with them all of the time when the first time we went camping, um, it was kind of a new relationship um, amongst the families, but also I don't think they were that outdoorsy either. Um, so making sure we had the same, because I mean, our kids are 10 and 12 and they can basically survive in the outdoors by themselves, but we still have those conversations with them. Um, you know, okay, if you're taking your hatchet, we're going to be safe or we can't swing that ax around the campsite around people Um, Just making sure we include them in those conversations. Um, But I think it also comes down to the kids. I think the kids have those conversations like, hey, let me teach you how to do this. Or um, just those bonds that form. Now they have, they just kind of develop those skills after learning and watching and doing really. And depending Mm -hmm. on the time of the year and the fire building, in the summertime, we can't really have fires. Uh, but during the winter, during if it's wet, I let my boys build a fire at the campsite. And then if they want to build a fire at their shelter, I normally go over there and just look at it, make sure everything's going to be safe. Um, but they've been doing it a long time now, and they do a great job with it. And like I said before, all kids love making spears. They want to get their knife out. They want to cut. And my kid did cut himself, so he didn't need stitches or anything. 
but sometimes it's just a gentle reminder to the kids of why daddy's telling them that and why they need to listen. Well, and I, I think that reminds me of something that you guys are probably really, you're probably the best people I've talked to to speak to this, right? So I've had in the last few years, some really scary situations happen with my kids, with other people's kids. And like th- things have gone wrong and then gone just enough right to where it wasn't absolutely horrible. But it, it taught me the importance of being prepared for like the unexpected, right? And so my question for you all is, okay, if I'm a parent, I'm going to take my kids into these potentially unstructured, maybe a little bit dangerous situations. What kinds of skills and things do I need in case something happens? Well, I think Carly and I are a little different because I'm a paramedic. She's a nurse. We know that unfortunate things happen to anybody at any time. So something bad could happen while we're at our house in our neighborhood. And it's the same out in the wilderness. Uh, A kid could break their arm, sprain their ankle. Uh, We do have a couple first aid kits. And I think for the big thing for Carly and I is we know something's a little deal or a big deal. Are they going to be fine and we just put a Band-Aid on it? Or do they need to go in to the hospital and get evaluated? Is something going to need stitches or, or not? So we're pretty fortunate when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a mama bear. I'll admit that. <laughs> um, I'm a little, I've learned to be a little more relaxed. I'm very protective, but I think it's important for parents to be like, you know what? You got to let your kids learn it the hard way for them to really learn. I can tell my kids, no, all I want, they're still going to do it. And until they've, felt the consequences of a wrong action or seen somebody else go through that. They sometimes they just have to experience it. Um, so letting things naturally happen, I think is sometimes just what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. I feel you on that front. Um, I had, I did have a firefighter friend of mine tell me the most important thing I could carry was a tourniquet. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I'll take a, a cell phone over a tourniquet, but yes, uh, <laughs> we have one or two of those. We do. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we. I would say as far as first aid, we, we have a pretty good first aid kit, which includes a tourniquet. You'd be surprised how many people don't even have a Band-Aid. Yep. Little Johnny really? falls and scrapes his knee, and yeah, there's plenty of people that... I think when Carly and I first got married... I think we were both paramedics at the time and got married and something happened and we didn't have a, a bandaid in our house <laughs> and we both laughed. So having <laughs> kids and live and learn, we've come a long way. Yep. Making sure that we have what we think we're going to need. And that kind of stuff doesn't have to be expensive. I'll be straight up honest. I get most of my first aid supplies from the Dollar Tree. So... <laughs> <laughs> what's the liquid skin oh that's yeah they have, have they have liquid skin at the dollar tree quite often it's basically like skin glue i have that stuff everywhere so anything else skin glue we got band-aids cell phone what else coban coban is good what's that it's just like a what would you call it an oh. elastic wrap basically not quite an ace bandage but 
the other thing I would suggest to is um, like Benadryl is a good one for like anything allergic or sometimes you get in the forest and you don't realize you, you know, the air stuffy or whatever. What else do we have? Um, Benadryl, Tums, they're kind of random, but they're always, they're always good to have Advil. when you don't expect them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember one time we were out with some family in the Boundary Waters and we had someone just break out in something. We have no idea where it came from. And uh, oddly enough, we did not have Benadryl. That was not a good situation. <laughs> but um, you, do, you do, like You just don't know what you're going to be allergic to or what you're not going to be allergic to. Yep. That's where that cell phone comes in. It also Benadryl's also good to help you fall asleep too. Just FYI. You guys have <laughs> shared with me some really interesting, or I should say, Carly shared with me some really cool photos of like your kids building lean twos and and stuff like that. Where did you guys learn how to teach them to do that stuff? Uh, I taught them to watch YouTube and to learn how to do all that <laughs> before we go on Survival Weekend. Figure out what kind of shelter you're going to build. And then we'll go get some cheap tarps and go build your shelter. <laughs> they That's do. Awesome. They do watch YouTube a lot on their own. Um, what's the one that they watch? I think it's called the Outdoor Boys. Is one that they watch a lot. Um, yeah. If you've heard of them, it's a, a dad mm -hmm. and his boys that do the same thing. They go on adventures. They live in the, uh, you know. So. So our kids love electronics, just like all other kids. But there's times that I tell them it has to be educational YouTube. That makes me feel better that maybe they're learning how to build a shelter or cook wild game or how to catch fish. I feel like it's um, time better spent on their electronics. But mm -hmm. I'll tell them to go there and figure out what kind of shelter they want to build. And they have a lot of fun doing it. All right. So you've shared like big picture some of the cool stuff you do, you know, high level. What are some of the, the more memorable trips you've had? My favorite camping trip every year is we go out. I think this year we had seven families. It seems to get bigger every year, but we launch model rockets. So all the kids just play all day. In the desert. In the desert, but it's wet. There's no risk of fire. And we probably launch 30 rockets throughout the weekend, 30 mm -hmm. to 40 rockets. And the adults love it. The kids love it. The rockets seem to get bigger. And we get to do a little bit of hunting. There are some ponds around. Uh, we can shoot the dove, duck, quail, rabbits. Uh, Brody did get a rabbit this year. Brought it back, gutted it by himself, and threw it over the fire. Yeah. So I think he got a couple doves, too. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, for me as a father, I love when I show my kids how to do something. And then I always tell them it's my job to teach you how to do it, not to do it for you. So my 12-year-old, my he's to the point that he gets a knife out, he guts it, and he can clean it up and put it over the fire all by himself. Fishing for me was not enjoyable for a long time because I felt like all I did was put new hooks on. All I did was, you know, bait up the hook for both of my boys. I never got the fish. So once I finally got to the point that they could tie their own hooks, they could put their own bait on, they could catch a fish get the fish off of the hook. I'm like, I finally have it made. Mm -hmm. So very rarely do I have to help my kids fishing now. And if we're honest, I don't really like touching fish. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I try not to show that when I have to do it or when I catch a fish. Uh, but my kids don't have that fear. They're not grossed out and they do a great job with it now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. For what it's worth, I, I don't like touching fish either. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think you saw at least Carly that we, we caught some Northern yesterday. Have you ever caught one of those? What? No. Is that a pike? What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Northern pike. Okay. No, I think we have some of those up by Flagstaff maybe, but. I think I've, I've seen that there's some like mountain ponds up there with them, but I say that to say like of all the fish that I don't like touching, they're the worst. Cause like they're super predators, right. And they're super fast. And to do that, they have to be super slimy and, uh, they have this weird thing that if you freeze them, which happens, especially when you're ice or, you know, you're ice fishing, um, that whatever it is that produces that slime in the body goes into overdrive. And it's like handling something off of a Nickelodeon show <laughs> from, uh, from the nineties. It's so bad. So yeah, full disclosure, I had to freeze those fish yesterday cause I didn't have time to clean them. <laughs> and, uh, I'm, I'm just dreading, dreading it. Um, wow. So those are some great stories and some great resources. So let's say that there's, there's a parent who's got a kid who's interested in the outdoors or maybe the parents interested in the outdoors. Maybe they camp a little bit, maybe not, but they want to go deeper. They, they want to be the Dave and Carly Birch of their community. What, what's like a next step that they can do to level up their outdoor adventures? Buy a big trailer. Don't start with a small one. <laughs> there was a meme that had like, you start with a pop-up and then you go to a small trailer and then bigger and bigger. Uh, make sure you're going to buy what is going to fit the needs of your family. Mm -hmm. I think our first trailer, we bought a 17 footer because that's pretty much all we could pull with our forerunner. Uh, we quickly saw bigger trailers with slide outs with things that our, ours didn't have. And we did have to upgrade a few years later. I think one of the biggest things for me is finding people that enjoy doing those things too, to share with. Um, I'll be real honest. I probably never, I wouldn't be this outdoorsy or enjoy the outdoors if I hadn't met David and he kind of forced me to do those things. Um, and in our journey, finding friends that enjoy doing those things as well has made it so much more fun and easier. Um, so really trying to, and I don't, I don't not, I don't have any good recommendations of how to find those people. Um, whether it be through, you know, the community or online or whatnot, but finding people that enjoy doing the same things, um, I think is really crucial. Yeah. And in the national forest, they have campsites that, if you want to camp in a campsite and you're not camping with anybody else, there's going to be other kids in that campground somewhere for your kids to play with. You can meet people. There's a few more accommodations. Uh, we prefer to dry camp, to not have electricity, not have water, try and be a little bit farther away from civilization. I love that. In fact, you guys are, are uh, spurring some ideas for me what I can do with our family this summer. So that's, that's really exciting. And I say this summer because for us, the summer is you actually the spring and the fall are the best times to do it. Summer's rough because of the mosquitoes in a lot of places, mm -hmm. but, um, 
I used to think winter in Minnesota would not be campable or outdoorsy at all. And then I met the uh, winter camping community and it's like, it's, it's a real thing. Like hot tents are a real thing. It's, it's kind of crazy. And the folks who do it, like they really, really do it. So for now we're going to stick to the summer. Um, but you guys are challenging me even for some of our winter experiences because our, our hunting season is during winter more or less. So man, well, thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having us. 